Hey, hey, it's Andy Anas, and you're listening to another episode of Pod Slam and Jamma presented by Clip City Control Room. On this episode, it's game week, less than what we're recording on Tuesday, August 30th, so four days away from UH and UTSA. Depending on whenever you be listening, it might, heck, it might even be September 3. We're excited, and we're going to be talking about that matchup against the Roadrunners. And Dan, what else will we be talking about in this episode? We're going to talk receivers, running backs, and also going to talk about their defense. They're going against a very experienced offense at UTSA. After the penalty, look at the time he has, and look at the throw and catch. Ten-down touchdown, Cougars. in the first half. There's Blair with the steal. Picked up by Cam Jones. On the offensive glass, so tough. And that's third game. Two possessions. Sasser tries and he hits. Toon has the receiver open. Touchdown, Herzlow. They call the five slamma jammer. Dayon, before we start, how are you doing, sir? Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode. Man, I'm doing well. It's game week. Uh, I feel like I'm getting ready to lace them up. But more excited. <laughs> I'm excited to, to see this year's team, and hopefully they can get out to a, a good start versus how they did compared to last year in their first matchup. For sure. And and obviously when, when we look at that matchup against UTSA, this is going to be an interesting battle between uh, two teams that honestly, uh, and this was something that Dana Orson kind of touched on during his availability on Monday. These are two teams that are kind of uh, in similar positions and that often in some areas kind of mirror each other, just looking at uh, the season they had in 2021, they both finished with 12 and two records. They're both bringing uh, a lot of their returning players that they were a part of, of key spots during that run in 2021. And look at them. Uh, both teams are in their final year with their current conferences, and they're going to make a leap to the new conference in 2023. So a lot of similarities, but obviously, of course, we'll start right there with the Roadrunners matchup and something that Doug Belk, the de- defensive coordinator for the University of Houston, touched on during his availability early in the week is that it all starts with their senior quarterback in Frank Harris. He called them that he's a quarterback, or he called Frank Harris the engine of the entire offense for UTSA. And when looking at his 2021 numbers, honestly pretty co- uh, comparable to Clayton Toon, uh, Harris had 27 touchdowns, only six interceptions, and he rushed for an additional six touchdowns uh, let's check out what Doug Belk had to say on that matchup with UTSA. Um, I think they do a great job. Their guys are very physical. Uh, they have great attention to detail. I think most of all, multiple personnel groupings, a lot of shifts, a lot of motions, and um, their quarterback is their engine. He makes them go. I'm very impressed with him. Six-year senior, very mature, does not get rattled, knows where to go with the ball at all times, gets them in the right plays, um, very electric on the perimeter. They got a group of receivers that, are, that, that will cause us a lot of challenges. Uh, vertical pass game is really good. And they have some running backs that, that play physical and a, and a few guys that can make you miss in space as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of challenges there. And then up front, uh, veteran group. Um, I don't know in the last couple of years if, if um, you know, we haven't played very many teams with this much size and mass up front, especially with the center and the two guards all being 320 plus. So a lot of challenges for us, um, I think, that uh, they do a really good job of getting their players in the right position to make plays and 
and their guys do a good job and understand the scheme and, and do things very well as a unit. So it's going to present a lot of challenge for, challenges for us this weekend. The University of Houston preparing for a tough challenge. And, and Dayon, before I toss it over to you, um, a quick t- tidbit that you heard Doug Belk mention there when it comes to not only are they bringing back their veteran quarterback who, like I said, before the the playing of that clip that he said he's kind of the engine that, that runs everything for UTSA, they're bringing back three receivers that the top three receivers from 2021 and it, it all starts with uh zakari franklin who he led the team in receiving he was a th- thousand yard receiver ended up with over 12 toucher with 12 touchdowns in 2021 again going back to that mirror image i mean pretty similar numbers to the daniel tank dell a uh, day on what say you what did what stood out from that clip that you heard uh, about speaking there yeah, a lot of similarities. Let's just start with the quarterback. Like Clayton Toon, he's a super senior, so that's a ton of experience. You just talked about the numbers and their similarities there. He's also a dual threat, like you mentioned as well. And so really just their experience, a, a lot of similarities within the experience on both teams, both to UTSA, um, 12-2, and two, uh, and they're looking to, uh, of course, knock off UH team who is coach riding high, but they're going to the Big 12. So I'm sure it's a little bit um, of a motivation for them to prove that they compete with the likes of U of H and then get bragging rights in the state of Texas. And so um, another thing that stood out to me, what uh, Coach Bell talked about, was their offensive line and how big they are. That's one thing Houston will see a lot of when they go into the Big 12. You won't see some of the small offensive line. You'll see some of those 300-plus offensive line that can move and they can get off the ball. And so I'm going to be looking out early who can, who can dominate in the trenches, who will be able to stop the run game. Can they make UTSA one-dimensional, make Frank Harris pass the ball? And Houston was great on third downs getting off the field. And so I will look to see mm-hmm. early if they can um, force UTSA on some of those third and long obvious pass situations where DeAnthony Jones and their pass rushers can really pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Last season, Houston was the first in the country when it came to uh, getting opponents or, or stopping opponents from converting on third down, number one in the country. And obviously that point that you just mentioned about UTSA and their physicality, that was another thing that Doug Bell touched on. And really when, when it, it regards to the Roadrunners and uh, it, like you mentioned, when it comes to that physicality, uh, something else that Belk mentioned was just in terms of the running backs, they're losing uh, their lead back from a season ago. But that's something that Doug Belk said. Um, he's anticipating a lot of uh, running back by committee. Uh, and he'll see, like you mentioned, they're going to be physical. They're going to be looking to establish that battle in the trenches. And the three players that, that Belk touched on and, and the one he really focused on was Traylon Smith, who uh, he's a transfer out of Arkansas. He rushed for over 600 yards in 2021 but another player to keep an eye on is going to be brendan brady who was with utsa a season ago and he himself also rushed for for four touchdowns so a couple of threats that that uh is going to have to keep their eye on it's not necessarily going to be you know heading into the game this is the guy that the star that we have to focus in on it's kind of a a, a bit of wait and see and and they have to be careful of who exactly could could cause a lot of damage because they've all shown in flashes that they can be problems 
Yeah, it's going to be probably running back by committee. But like Doug Belk said, the standard is the standard. Um, sticking to your keys, filling gaps, being physical, winning the line of scrimmage, um, try to stop that run to, like I just said, make them one-dimensional and force Frank Harris to have to beat you throwing the football, in which he's more than capable to do. So he, he gave credit to how good they are in their vertical passing game. And so it, it'd be a challenge to see, but I'm definitely going to have my eyes up front in the trenches and see if you can dominate up front and stifle their running game and force UTSA in some of those third and long, obvious passing situations. Yeah, one of the other things that Houston's going to have to battle through on Saturday is going to be that atmosphere at the Alamo Dome. Um, and like you mentioned, UTSA coming off uh, arguably their best season, a 12-2 and year. They're excited about what this team can do in their final year in Conference USA. And they're going to have a really tough non-conference portion of the schedule and they're kicking off with Houston that there's a lot of buzz around it and that was another thing that head coach Dana Horowitz touched on during his Monday availability just how Houston first that they're gonna have to deal with a crazy atmosphere but two also how they've had to prepare it also involves cranking up uh the 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 way Horowitz put it cranking up the music during practices at the indoor stadium to get them ready for what potentially that atmosphere could be like it's it's uh it's challenging uh it's challenging you know uh we we know the crowd's gonna be loud you know that that dome is loud i've i've coached a few games in that in that thing and it doesn't have to be sold out to be loud which it probably will be sold out i mean i'm expecting a, a sold out crowd a heck of a crowd hopefully we got a bunch of houston people that are gonna make the drive over there and, and help us out as well but regardless uh It'll be loud. So we've had a lot of practices in our indoor with our sound system on full blast. You know, so we'll be able to handle that fine. We got a veteran quarterback and experience center, and uh, we're we're good with that aspect of it. Um, you know, but they just they got they got a lot of good players and they got a really good football team. You know, twelve and two, one one conference USA. So and they got everybody back, Bangers. You know, and, you know, their, their quarterback's a good player. Their receivers are dangerous. You know, they lost a really good back, but they got a really good back coming in from Arkansas. They got four starting offensive linemen back. So it's going to be challenging. It'll be a a huge test. Um, You know, we're we're excited about playing. We're excited about competing. But uh, we know that this is not going to be an easy game. Dan, another thing to add on to your point, they're they're returning a veteran offensive line. And that's something that's crucial, especially when you think of the biggest strength, arguably, for this Houston team is going to be uh, up front with their defensive line and, and just obviously the, the brand they've been able to establish with Sac Avenue. But that's going to be something that UTSA has got to be, um, I wouldn't necessarily say confident, but that's something where, hey, we have experience, so we're kind of ready to handle anything that Houston can throw at us. Yep, experience and continuity, chemistry with uh, up front is something um, Coach Hobson has talked about throughout this offseason from last year having the offensive line playing the same unit. And so when you return upperclassmen like that who have that chemistry at the offensive line that UTS has, it's going to present a challenge. And Houston's strength of their defense is going to be their front seven, the defensive line, along with their linebacker, Donovan Mutant. So they're going to have to keep him clean, allow him to run a sideline, a sideline, and make tackles all over the field. And then and if they can get them in obvious passing situations, then you can play coverage and not so focus on stopping the run. But I think it's interesting 
to start the game, that's the matchup he's going to um, keep our eye on. Actually, on both sides of the ball, um, offensively and defensively, who is going to control the trenches. But he talked about having a veteran quarterback, and Clayton Toon is definitely that. He's seen his share of football. He's played at Cincinnati in a championship game, and that's an electric atmosphere. And so I think moments like that is preparing him for this stage against UTSA. So I don't expect him to be rattled. I expect him to come out and be ready to compete and just be hungry to pick up where they left off um, a season ago. That's absolutely true, and that's going back to the point where we've kind of kind of been the theme throughout the whole show, where these two teams, really, they, they seem identical in a lot of places now. Uh, focusing on UTSA's defense for a second, uh, they're, they're going to be returning their lead tackler in 2021, which was uh, uh, maybe a bit surprising in safety, Rashad Wisdom, um, who led the team in tackles. They're also going to be returning, uh, well, Trumaine Bell, the second who, on the defensive line, he was second on the team in sacks. Uh, they're losing their lead sacker, or they lost their lead sacker. And then, obviously, of course, when it comes to the secondary, uh, they had cornerback Corey Mayfield Jr., who he was tied on the team and with interceptions with two other players that are no longer on the program. Uh, they had He was tied with two interceptions. So uh, a bit of experience when you look at those key positions in the defense. And like you mentioned, going back up with Clayton Toon, it's going to be crucial for Houston now. They have a veteran quarterback. And like you mentioned, just being able to play in that atmosphere in Cincinnati last season, um, Toon – you would expect them not to get rattled in a situation like this, no matter how hectic that atmosphere is like in the Alamo Dome, just because of, you know, he's one of those players that has been there and done that. He's been there and done that, but it's also going to be vital for him to get off to a good start, get in a good rhythm, complete some of those early passes, and in which we see um, Hogerson does a good job of getting him settled in, whether it be those quick screen, quick passes to Tank Dell and some of the other receivers. But also, um, we got to get the running game going. I know the, uh, we're going to talk about the running back shortly, but it's all going to be predicated on up front. Which team can establish themselves and win the line of scrimmage? Who can, who can dominate in the trenches? Yeah, for sure. So uh, Saturday's matchup against UTSA, Houston's uh, – Dana Hogerson's Houston's team is going to be looking uh, to pick up the second opening – or season opening win under Dana Hogerson uh, when they kick off against the Roadrunners on Saturday. Coming right up on Potslam and Jamma, don't go anywhere because we'll talk more specifically about that offense and a little bit more about the skill positions from the running back to the receiver's and even the old line as well. We don't usually talk much about the old line, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slam a Jam. Here in our next segment on Pod Slam a Jam, Dayan and Andy here, of course. Now we're going to stay in the trenches, and this time we're going to talk about a position group we rarely talk much about, and that's the offensive line. And Houston has some um, veterans and or upperclassmen coming back. And Coach Hogerson is very confident. He's pleased with what he saw in his offensive line throughout camp. Let's take a listen to what he said here in his press conference. Uh, I've been very happy with Jack. That was probably the biggest question mark. You, you lose Cody Russi, who's the Patriots like him quite a bit. You know, there's a reason why the Patriots like him, because he's a good football player. And he, he held it together. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but the first two years we had 20 different starting lineups and 20 games or whatever it was. And then, you know, last year the continuity was really good. We had 14 games and 14, uh, the same starting lineup for all 14 games. You know, Cody held that together. Pat Paul, Cam Johnson coming back, I consider Cam a starter. He played 
you know, he played the majority of the snaps at left guard. Tank Jenkins, <coughs> starter at, um, at right guard. And then we uh, still an ongoing battle at right tackle. Um, you know, but Jack has really solidified that offensive line. You know, proud of him. He, he, he really grew up. Uh, <clears throat> it's just so hard for linemen to play early, especially at center when you have so much on you. He just wasn't ready to play. I think he knows that, you know, and <clears throat> didn't know any better. You know, I think he did his best, but, you know, just, you know, just just wasn't ready. But we just forced him to be ready. We had to have him ready. Uh, and being able to just sit back and learn from a guy like Cody Russell, and Jack would be the first to tell you, you know, that Cody was the best thing that happened to him. <clears throat> just by being able to, to, you know, pause it a little bit and see how it's supposed to be. You know, Cody's a professional. The way he, uh, the way he attacked every week, every game, um, you know, was a, was a true one-year professional that, that that we were fortunate to get last year. And that that really that let Jack kind of just sit back and say, okay, now I get it. You know, and so he's just a totally different guy at this point. We're in pretty good shape, you know, from an experience uh, standpoint because Jack did start for a couple of years. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Ruben was having a really, really good camp uh, and kind of got a toe, so he missed a little bit of time, but he should be back this week. Lance Robinson was having a good camp, but then he got an ankle, and now he'll be back this week. So nobody really had a chance to take that spot over. Derek Bowman uh, has looked good, but he's splitting reps there and at center as well. Uh, so... Um, you know, uh, ha ha happy with the bodies that we have there. I just don't know how that's going to play out. Probably whoever has the better week, we'll, we'll start at right tackle and then just kind of rotate and see who, see who plays better. So uh, a couple things for first from that clip, and Dana Horson was in line when he said that Jack Freeman would be the first person to tell you uh, how appreciative he was of what Cody Russell was able to, to teach him and really what he was able to learn just being able to take a step back last season and, and kind of see how Russie approached things uh, completely. Uh, a lot of stuff that he was been able to, to, to absorb from Russie is what, what he said and really being able to learn stuff both on and off the field, being able to be much more of a leader at center where uh, he has to kind of be that, that leader for the offensive line. Now you heard Dana Horson talk there in regards to the right tackle spot where uh, still a bit of a question mark at that position, uh, at that position and who will start. And you, you heard him say that, names there on who who could potentially start ahead of the matchup but uh, when you look at this position group and that's something that in years past it has been a, a struggle especially going back to the 2020 season um, just being able to particulate in two and it would be a lot of times where they would struggle to do that now they show an improvement in 2021 a, a major improvement from uh, two years ago and now heading into 2022 is honestly they might have to be even more crucial just in terms of obviously of course protecting Clayton Toon but being able to establish the run game uh for guys like Tejon Henry and those behind them yeah and kind of continuing to the trend of what we've been talking about establishing deadline of scrimmage but more on Jack Freeman and he's the quarterback of the offensive line he, he's the one is gets the call I know Clayton's gonna um, call the plays, but he's going to get the call and distribute amongst the offensive line. He's the one who has to communicate constantly if playing tune changes of protection or anything along that nature. It's going to be Jack's job to convey that with the offensive line and make sure everyone gets that call. Along with that, it just takes experience. Coach Hoverson talked about 
um, what he learned from an upperclassman, and now he's in that um, role and he's thriving. So I think Jack is doing a good, going to do a great job. Patrick Paul, we know he's going to anchor that left side, but that right side is going to be in question. But when you got a right-handed quarterback, in which a majority of quarterbacks are right-handed, you, you rather if you get, they're going to get pressure, you rather it be from the side that they can see on their right side versus mm-hmm. their blind side. So the left side is going to be solidified. I want to see who's going to be. Um, on their right side, but I think the offensive line is going to continue. I think they're going to play well, just like they did a season ago. But like you said, it's more than just protecting Clayton Tune. They're going to have to be able to run the football. And we actually got a clip of head coach Dana Hogerson talking about being a run first team. So let's get into that clip. Take a listen to more about it. Yeah, uh, we, we've uh, we've played a lot of bodies there. You know, I don't know if we have our Bart Green and and uh, you know the backups. You know, you know the the guys that stepped in last year when you started moving people around. You know, Jace is a guy that we can move around a good beat. But you know, Alex Hogan is back this week. He's been down with with a couple of hamstrings. But you know, our starting five in the secondary had a ton of experience you know who those next five are that's kind of the I mean we got a lot of bodies to choose from uh we just really don't know who those are yet yeah it's amazing what a year does for that room so um you know Sam Brown's look good as well um you know we got we got we got some bodies to choose from you know where last year we were kind of piecing that thing together with uh, a lot of 11 12 personnel and and not having a whole lot of depth at receiver. Um, I think we're pretty solid too deep right now at receiver. Um, you know, what that ends up looking like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're still we're still wanting to be a run first team. You know, I have been for about a decade now. I mean, you know, there's a number of reasons for that. I can control the game that helps our defense. You know, we were sixth in the nation last year in time of possession, you know, that, that helps. Um, so we still want to control the ball. We still want to run the ball. Just because we don't have McCaskill doesn't mean we're not going to try to run the ball. You know. So Tazon Henry has had a fantastic uh, camp. He looks different than he has since he's been here. Uh, he's as in good a shape as he's been. Uh, Brandon Campbell's looked good. Um, <clears throat> you know, and Stacy Sneed has looked pretty good too. Keelan Walker's healthy. So we got some guys that we can put back there. Hopefully, we can. Uh, you know, get the run game going, control the ball a little bit. Um, that's just kind of how we've been playing for a while. Is it a matter of how the so Dana Hogerson touching on a bunch of positions there, but like you, you heard on, at towards the tail end of the clip. Now, obviously, of course, one of the key uh, areas that we've spoken on throughout training camp is, is the receiving position and something that Dana Hogerson said. I can't remember if it was uh, during the first uh, availability he had during training camp or if it might be going back to uh, American Athletic Conference media day but i remember early on in camp he said that uh, when you look at the weapons that they have around them in in regards to the receiving core around clayton tune he said that this is probably the most talent that they've had uh, around him at those positions and then once again kind of doubling down in that um, clip where he talks about he feels confident that across the board at all the receiver positions are probably too deep at each which is honestly incredible to, to, to hear him say that and then obviously of course that's what he said he's that's not going to discourage them from 
wanting to be a run first team. And obviously, of course, we've touched on how important, how much more of a load will be put on Tajon Henry. Obviously, of course, like uh, it was touched on in that clip with the, with the loss of Alton McCaskill to the injury. And it'll be interesting to see, like we, we've kind of had Henry penciled in as, as the lead back, but it, it'll be something that'll be more important just in terms of what guys like Brandon Campbell, the transfer out of USC, who USC, who is going to be a lot, uh, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him and see what he's able to do. But another player that they've been high on that horizon has been high on is Stacy Sneed, who once again, he mentioned in that clip. Yeah. We've been hearing a lot about Stacy Sneed hearing about his speed and, and, his electric electricity, I should say, or yeah. how electric he is. And so I'm excited to see that running back group, but more importantly, just the talent overall. I, I think that offensive line is going to be the key because if you can't protect, you can't run block, it's going to be hard to move the ball on the, on the field. But a lot of things stood out to me uh, about Coach Hogerson knowing the importance of running the ball and admitting being a run-first football team because what that does, it takes pressure off your quarterback. It allows him to settle in, not feel like he has to make every single throw. And another point he mentioned, it helps the defense. They not they don't have to play a ton of snaps. They could be fresh. That way on those third downs like they did excel last year as the number one team in the nation, they can be fresh in those moments and get off the field and make plays. And so it's very important um, to run the football and to win that line of scrimmage. And I, I think we, we have a, a good group of backs and a good group of depth at all skill positions. I know earlier I was kind of questioning if this was the best receiving core that we've seen. But I think when you include the depth, I think Hogerson is telling the truth, but I, I can't wait to see them. I haven't seen like Man Jack and Sam Brown and all them play, but I trust Coach Hogerson and what he's saying as far as the ability to make plays. And I think Clayton Toon is going to sling it around, but you got to get the running game for him. I can't wait to see Brandon Campbell, a lot of hype coming out from USC. He played high school in the Houston area. So it's going to be very important. Tajon Henry is going to be that first guy, but in football, it's rarely, especially in college, do you see just a bell cow running back, a one set yeah. running back. It's always a two or three back system. And Houston had that last year with Alto and Tajon. So he's just going to be the lead guy. But which running back is going to step up and make some of those other plays when Tajon needs a break? Yeah, that's exactly what Dana Hogerson said, where uh, they can't rely on just one guy to, to be the workhorse and be able to carry the load offensively at that position for two reasons. One, it's just not reliable. And two, it's not sustainable through the course of the season. Uh, they need to be able to have, uh, whether it be Brandon Campbell, Stacey Sneed, some of the other guys that he's mentioned to, to step up and make plays and be able to make life easier, obviously, not only for Henry, but for Clayton Toon as well. Now, we heard Dana Hogerson and what he had to say about Tejon Henry and the multitude of positions. Here's what Jack Freeman had to say on Henry and the rest of the running backs. No, Tay, Tay's been really solid. He's He's, you know, he's he's not he's not uh, playing to his size at all. Tay will definitely, you know, like he'll he'll go run you over if he needs to. He'll he'll go hit the hole. He will bounce it outside. He'll do whatever he needs to do. Same with Brandon. Brandon's been very solid. Uh, I was really everybody's really impressed with him. You know, whenever he came in, Stacy Speed. Everybody's been very impressed with Stacy. Uh, Keelan Keelan Walker. He actually he came in, he came in with me, but you know he had a he had a few injuries here and there. But you know Keeler had a very solid uh, fall camp. Everybody was proud of him. James Fulbright, everybody loves James. Um, 
you know, he's he's our he's mine and Pat Paul's locker buddy, and we all we always mess with James because like he's he's just a really good dude, and you know, I I, I see a very 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 um, bright you know future for our for our offense this year. I think we're gonna do a lot of good things. You know, it's really unfortunate losing Alto, but we definitely got guys that definitely stepped up, and I'm proud of them for that, and I commend them. Again, kind of sticking with the with the theme of being able to have um, so much depth at so many positions, and that's a luxury that that Houston hasn't been able to have. Certainly, ha- has not been able to have. Certainly, not under Dana Holgerson. Yeah, especially at the running back position. Um, I think that's a position. Before um, last year, Alto was a lot of just of a, 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 a porter. And now you got the two back in last year. Now you hear of the depth. And that's really the main thing, um, stocking depth, but not only having depth, having talented depth. That way when they come over the field, it's no drop-off. And Jack just said that no matter who is on the field, he pretty much um, expects all of those guys. And even mentioned Keenan Walker, who came in with Jack, came from DeSoto High School, upperclassman, hasn't played a bit, dealt with some injuries. But Coach Hogerson mentioned him in his clip um, that we played before, that he's been a guy that made some plays as well. And so I think they're all to get their opportunity. It's all about capitalizing when they get the ball in their hands. For sure. And on that note, uh, that'll do for this segment. Coming right up on Pod Slam and Jamma, we'll talk specifically about the defense and we'll hear from Doug Belk what they are motivated for the upcoming 2022 season and as well as what they're looking for against UTSA. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Pod Slam and Jamma. Continuing on here on Pod Slam with Jam, we're still talking football, of course. And now we have another clip for defensive coordinator Doug Belk in which he's going to talk about the identity of the football team and the standard being the standard and not really talking about a season last year and talking about establishing what they're going to be this year, whether it be better. Of course, that's what they hope for. But let's take a listen to what he had to say to those guys much about last year we've kind of moved on from from that and we want to create an identity of our own for this year and if that's better than last year that'll be great but the standard is the same each and every day for us and you know my biggest goal is that we have consistency and performance in our assignment alignment and doing our job and I think everything else will fall in place Um, but the things that we pride ourselves on and the characteristics of our defense I think those building blocks show uh, from last year you know the physicality the effort um you know, the brotherhood and the camaraderie. And I think as a team, we're just much closer, um, you know, as a unit, as well as offense and defense. Uh, so I think there's a lot of positives to build off of. But, you know, the, this season will tell a lot about what we're made of and which direction we're going. And obviously we feel really well about the direction that we're going as a program under coach's leadership. But at the same time, uh, who are we going to be for this year? And this first game is an opportunity for us to start building an identity for the 2022 season and I think that um, these guys are just really motivated you know especially losing some key components of our defense last year obviously really good players that are playing in the NFL um, that I feel like they just have something to prove as far as that the guys have to step up and replace the production that we had last year and for me I don't look at it like that personally you know it's just a new year new opportunities for new people Uh, no matter how much you play last year you have to go out there and prove what you can do and that's the standard that we have set and so um, no matter how many plays that you played or if you didn't play any, um, the expectation is that you go out there and do your job and dominate the guy in front of you each and every rep. And if not, then we have to get guys that could do that. So um, I think that's the mindset. I like where we're at, and I like the leadership 
that we have. And obviously they want to set a higher standard and raise the bar. Um, and so I think that it's just, it's just time will tell which direction that we will go. A couple of things again that, that stand out from that clip, um, and and it, it it'll kind of lead off to to the final clip that we have, um, where Nelson Nelson Caesar kind of talks about the same thing, and just in terms of how this team is one more motivated. But I think that that loss to Cincinnati in the American Athletic Conference Championship a, a year ago that's really fueling this team, and, and in some aspects, it's bonded them uh, to be much closer together for two reasons. One, they know what it's like to be so close to, to achieving that goal of winning conference championship and you know they were right there with Cincinnati uh through the first half and the second half the Bearcats were able to pull away that's that's an experience that they has kind of been able to bond this team um and you heard Doug Belk touch on it and you'll you'll hear from it uh from Caesar in the next clip as well yeah you'll hear from it from Caesar in which I'll give my opinion on that um then but what Doug Belk what he just mentioned and, and really what stood out to me last season was their effort uh, no matter who was on the field, what game it was, you will always see red, white or red, whatever jersey they're wearing, rallying to the football, giving maximum effort, running to the football, and, and also dominating. Having a mindset to dominate is different versus just coming out and I'm going to do my job, I'm going to win. Now, I think that he's really shifted the mindset of the defense that we don't want to just be a good defense. We want to be a great defense. We want to come out and we want to dominate. And that was more what we talked yeah. about in our podcast last week when Donovan Mutant not um, accepting good, but wanting to be great. And with success comes expectation. Now they've had success defensively. Now they expect to be good. Now he's talking about raising the bar to be even better. But only time will tell. They got a tough challenge in front of them um, here on Saturday come UTSA. Yeah, and going back to what Donovan Mutant said a week ago, I mean, he said that they're coming into games with the mentality that they want to goose egg everybody. That's that's how high the standard it is. They don't want to give up anything. And and going back again to to last season, you heard Doug Buck say where you know that's in the rearview mirror. And we 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 talked about the statistics, what last year's group was able to accomplish, and really. Uh, not to, to kind of continue to, to repeat the standard, but that that's kind of a level that they were able to establish. And I think it's it's interesting where not only did you hear Doug, Doug mention it, but the players themselves. I know Donovan Mutin, similar last week, he said, you know, yeah, we, we were able to do this last season, but this is a completely different team. And they're not necessarily trying to compare themselves. And it's really crucial for them to be able to kind of create their own story into 2022. It's a new season and they're focused on what can they do but they are using that fuel from uh, last year's shortcomings to be able to to kind of motivate them. But they're not kind of trying to compare themselves or or be that we have to be this level of what they were able to do in 2021. Yeah, and, and I think, again, I mean, we keep mentioning the standard. We're really what it is. It's culture. I mean, we mm-hmm. float that word around a lot with the basketball program, but it's the culture of excellence. It's the culture of not settling for good, but expecting being great and coming out putting great on film because film doesn't lie. You got to accept coaching. Coaching has allowed you to bring that best out of you. And not only, not only that, you have to have talent. They've been stockpiling talent. The recruiting is going up, whether it's from the transfer portal or um, recruiting out of high school. And we've been talking about that. We expected um, the recruiting to get better now they're in the Big 12. And so the talent that they have, the talent that – um, they continue to gather. I mean, I think it's only going to get better and better. And this team is hungry 
to to be the best team in Texas routinely, not just one year. They want to make it a year um, a year on thing. They want to be mentioned in the upper echelon in the likes of the Ohio States, the Alabamas, um, all those teams that you mentioned when it comes to being upper echelon, reaching the college football playoff, all the um, routinely New Year's Six Bowls. They have their eyes set on next level, not just accepting being good, especially defensively, because Houston um, traditionally um, through recent years is known for being a high-power offense, spreading the ball around. But under Doug Bell, he's definitely done an outstanding job shifting the culture and setting the standard on that defense. Yeah, and I think you mentioned it perfectly. It, it starts with uh, what it's a testament to what Doug Bell has been able to establish um, and really a transition that that's uh, – happened i wouldn't say necessarily overnight but you you've i feel like that transition has happened relatively quickly under yeah. doug belk where he's been able to set a message and all the players have been able to buy in and now you're kind of seeing uh like you said that culture and not only is it established but it's well rooted and now the players are are fully invested in like you said, fully committed to being able to raise the, the, the again, the standard of excellence. Now, um, segue, we'll talk about what Nelson Caesar had to say. And uh, again, kind of how he's the team overall is using the loss against Cincinnati in the conference championship. And they're using that as fuel um, heading into 2022. I feel like going into this season, I feel like we have a lot more guys who are actually hungry for the championship because, you know, playing in that game and coming up short, that's a, that's a, it hurts, you know, especially when you out there, you know, you out there uh, trying to win, you know, I'm sure everybody in the locker room is trying to win. So we have a lot of older guys, a lot of guys who are going into that last year, you know, we got some young guys as well, but we got a lot, a lot of older guys. So I feel like this year uh, it's a, it's a, it's a more, like we're more hungrier, you know what I'm saying? Our hunger is greater. The down, you said you had your thoughts off off the clip. What, what what stood out? Yeah, what stood out to me is I know he said the team is hungrier, but what I think is I think the team actually realizes that they are good and can be good, and they expect to be good. And so when you come into a season and you have expectations, not only from the outside but from within, and you have the experience of what they had last year with going to that championship game in which they feel like they could have won, I think now this year – I think the hunger is still there. I mean, you're hungry every season to be good, but now when you expect to be good, you know you can be good, you know you see the talent, everyone's doing all the things that they should do to be a good team. The coaches, you believe it in the coaches' messages even more. I think all those little things, attention to detail, just raises even more. And that's what I hear from Nelson season. I think he said with the upperclassmen that they have, that that was their first time while at Houston tasting some success. And so those leaders like Donovan Mune, like a Tangdale, like a Clayton Toon. Some of those captains are really, really honing in, and I'm sure setting an expectation like, hey, this is the year that we can really break through and really be who we want to be as a program. Absolutely, and I think, you know, and it's not just on the defensive side of the ball. And offense, too, I know we didn't hear from him on this show, but Christian Trahan, uh, during his availability on Tuesday, said a similar thing. And, and something that not only Trahan said it, but I know Mutant said it 
uh, himself, and I think DeAnthony Jones might have as well. Where uh, when it when it comes to Jones and Mutant, they talked about how they felt like there was twelve plays that separated Houston from winning the conference championship against Cincinnati a season ago. And Christian Trahan, the words he used to describe it today or on Tuesday, they were recording this was that they they felt like it slipped out of their hands to for. Houston, it seems like they they truly believe that they were you know right neck and neck with Cincinnati, and they should have been the conference champions a year ago. And they're kind of using that as fuel heading into 2022 to check off that accolade that they weren't able to in 2021. And it's truly exciting, like we've touched on throughout the entire show, where this is a a, a team top to bottom, where it's just filled with veterans across the board. That's something, another thing that Dana Holgerson said, the average age of this team is 22 and a half years, according to Holgerson, which is very rare in college football. And again, not only is this team older, but they are much more you know, motivated. They're fueled by that failure a year ago, um, falling just short against the Bearcats. Yep, and they've, like Hogerson said to himself, he got to see what it takes for a team at that caliber to win, and, and which I'm sure um, he's seen throughout his entire career. But seeing that and preaching that message throughout this team and them believing, knowing, like like they said, we was, we was this close away, 12 different, 12 plays, and their season could have been turned out differently. And so I think the inspiration is there. The hunger is there, like Nelson season just mentioned. And um, I think their belief is there. They, they believe that they can do it. They believe that they're going to win every single game. And that's the difference. For sure. And that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, depending on wherever you're listening, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a rating, give us uh, any type of mark on those platforms. And if you are watching or listening on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the Clutch City Control Room channel. And also be sure to give us a like down below. It takes seconds and it really helps us out. Uh, one other thing before we fully sign off and something that we've mentioned it throughout this channel, September 3rd on Saturday, not only is it the return of the Cougars on the football field, but it's the return of the unofficial post-game show that we've launched. We obviously, if you were able to follow us during the NCAA tournament run a season ago with Let's Rage Coops, um, where we kind of provide a very close to instant uh, reaction to the game whatever happens on saturday we will be live not from the close city control room account from the houston Rombaugh review a youtube account be sure to check us out there and interact with us comments we'd like to hear from you that interaction it's a space forum to connect all houston fans after seeing the game kind of being able to share post-game thoughts immediately after the game dayon i'll let you say the final word before we sign it off through our let's rage coups ad because we have our own ad we're doing the things bigger in 2022 yeah, like Andy said, make sure you tune in to the game and actually join us on Ledge Frage Cougs. We had a great turnout during um, the NCAA tournament, great fan interaction. We also give you guys a chance to join the show. And so it's very interactive, not just us giving our thoughts. We want to hear back from the fans. We want you guys to be involved as well. But we can't let um, this episode end without Go Cougs, man. It's game week. It's time to turn up, Cougs. Go get that dub. Welcome to another episode of Let's Rage Coop. I think he had what, eight assists today. And Chris, joining us on the show, Chris Garner of the Houston Round Ball Review. Last two games, he's been great. All the way up to the good again.